I'd been a lawyer for 20 years, but I was really bored of it after like a handful of years. So I grew up in an Italian household where we just made everything from scratch, you know, and that was just the way it was. And, and it was never, never a second thought kind of given to it. I saw this van, I bought it basically on site and converted it into um, what became the first Jinjin kind of food business, which was uh, mainly kind of antipasti, pasta, Prosecco. I wanted something which was a little bit more refined, but also fun. Ended up taking it on a, initially took it on a, uh, a short-term lease, like a six-month lease. And I basically spent that time standing in this basically 30, 30 square meter space thinking, how am I going to get a restaurant into here? I had an idea that I wanted to get out of law and do something I really cared about for a long time. You spend so much time in your job. So the nature of work should be, should be enjoyable. I definitely do more hours now than I did as a lawyer, okay. but I don't feel them at all. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion and big drive. They are disruptors change makers and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? In today's episode, I sat down with David Toscano from Chin Chin, Italian restaurants based in Brighton and recently in Fitzrovia in London. David spent two decades working as a lawyer in his first career and really just had this passion uh, urging him to start his own venture. And he followed, I guess, a, a legal, legally trained approach where he uh, really did a lot of market research, a lot of planning um, and really took it step by step, but also moved relatively quickly. So uh, launched a, a van initially, then started doing pop-up supper clubs and eventually into his first relatively small, only 300 square foot site in Brighton. Uh, off the back of the success of that, then it's really snowballed. So he's opened a second uh, site and recently in Fitzrovia and also launched a, a range of different initiatives, including uh, meal kits, which are very successful uh, and also online deliveries as well. So uh, quite an inspiring story. Uh, really uh, showing that it's possible at any age and to really change a career and make, make a successful business in uh, a completely different sector uh, to what he was trained and where his initial experience was. So really interesting interview. I hope you enjoy it. David Toscano. So David, I think you're the first person on the podcast for the restaurants down in Brighton and Hove. Uh, what's the restaurant scene down, like, down there like at the moment? Uh, well, I've been in Brighton. I've lived in Brighton for uh, 10, 12 years now, um, and the scene's changed massively in that time. Mm. Um, when I first moved down there, and that was part of the impetus of, of opening Chinchin, was that when I first moved down there, I thought there was a proper gap for um, a modern Italian uh, restaurant. Um, but and there were gaps for all sorts of things, all sorts of you know types of uh, restaurants and, and cuisine. And I think um, uh, the Brighton restaurant scene is really um, 
uh, I wouldn't say exploded, but um, certainly um, grown exponentially in that time. Mm. Um, obviously, just like everywhere else, pe- people come and go, but um, but it's a very tight knit community. Um, very one thing I found that I wasn't aware of until I opened my first restaurant was that um, it's a very supportive um, community. There isn't there isn't a kind of uh, there isn't any kind of like you know, um, uh, sort of fierce competition between each other. Sure. It's more it's more very much supportive. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic little scene. Okay, and the vegan scene is still growing. Vegan so. scene is still great. Yeah, yeah. so you've got um, obviously you've got Purezza who are a vegan pizza. They're, yep. they're quite big. Uh, they started in, in Brighton, but they're quite a big um, player now. Um, and I think, and then there's a couple of other sort of independents as well. And then off the back of that, you've seen like national brands like Virgo, which is like a vegan burger company sure. or something. And um, a couple others that have kind of come down and taken sort of prime retail um, space in Brighton. Sure. Uh, sure. To capitalize on that. Yeah, I guess it's great to have that relatively small community of restaurateurs to support each other. Yeah. In particular through COVID as well. Like, Absolutely, how has that yeah. been? And like, have most restaurants gotten through it? Or have you seen a lot of closures? Or Most restaurants have gotten through, to be honest, okay. which has been great. Um, look, I think uh, independence generally uh, are smaller companies. Therefore, we're a bit more nimble, which means that, um, yeah. you know, we can switch things on and off and we can move and, and, um, and reshape our business um, as and when we need to without having to answer to loads of, uh, of investors or, you know, um, worry about um, consistency across, you know, multiple sites and things like that. Mm. Um, so most most businesses have made it through to this point, which has been great. Um, and, um, and yeah, the support's been, been brilliant. We, um, we have a sort of quite a, a relatively informal Brighton Restaurants Association uh-huh. um, down there. And um, we, were, we were all meeting up regularly and actually we were in the process of, of kind of formalizing that that association when COVID hit um, and so that's kind of gone onto the back burner again but there's still okay. sort of um, you know it's a WhatsApp group and sure. um, we, you know, see, we all see each other in the street yeah, yeah. and unfortunately we very rarely get to eat in each other's restaurants because we're all so busy working in our own but um, okay but yeah it's great. Very good. I know you launched a restaurant in Fitzrovia yourself during yeah. COVID. Yes. Uh, it's an interesting timing. So yeah. How did that come about? Um, I mean, to be completely honest, that, that restaurant and opportunity came about um, without me kind of really chasing it. It, it kind of fell into my lap. Um, so at the beginning of this year, um, obviously we were still in, um, I suppose, lockdown two or three, whichever one you want to call it. And um, uh, the delivery service that um, the kind of chin chin at home, uh, finish at home delivery service that we started uh at the beginning of 2020, um, was running really well to the point where we were doing, we were selling, we, we were serving more covers, more, more customers on the delivery service each week than we would have been doing from the restaurant if the restaurant had been, had wow. been open at that time. So it was re- really sort of um, motoring along. Mm. Um, and I wanted to get our delivery service onto one of the nationwide delivery platforms, mm-hmm. but all of those platforms seemed to be in London and I didn't have a space in, in, in London. So, um, I called up uh, a friend of mine who's also a minority shareholder in in, um, in Chin Chin, and um, basically we had a conversation about London kitchen space. So I, you know, I sort of said, "Oh, you know, have you got anywhere that uh, have you got anywhere spare?" Because I'm, I want to basically try and move uh, onto a nationwide platform. Uh, and he just said, "Well, I don't have anything spare, but I'm actually getting rid of 
the Fitzrovia site. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want a London restaurant? <laughs> and there was this like long pause on the call. I was like, oh, I didn't really call about that, but um, sounds maybe. interesting. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe let's let's have a chat. So um, so yeah, and that was, and it all happened very quickly from there. So that was um, late February. I got the keys uh, third week of March, and we opened um, beginning of May. Wow! So that's yeah. super quick. Yeah, and was it difficult finding contractors and like staff we, even at that time? Definitely staff. Yeah. Staff staff has definitely been uh, uh, an issue all this year. Yeah. Um, but um, on the contractor side, thankfully, um, there are contractors that I work with. I've worked with the, with the first two restaurants in, in Brighton that okay. I know well and I trust, and they, they were able to come and um, do a job quickly on that. Okay. Um, I mean, I, guess, I suppose, again, thankfully as well, because of being locked, in the middle of lockdown, they had time. Like, you know, not everybody was flat out like they are now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that came about very quickly and an opportunity that I just didn't feel like I could turn down really. Okay, interesting. I know you've been very busy during COVID uh, in general. I mean, come back to that in more detail. Yeah. Some great initiatives. Uh, but let's go back to your early career. I know mm. uh, it wasn't always hospitality. So you spent two decades as a lawyer. Correct, yeah. Um, so tell us, I guess, where did that hospitality spark come from? And what made you switch industries? Yeah. So yeah, so I was a lawyer for um, a bit over 20 years. I, I grew up in Sydney and um, I qualified um, as a lawyer there and then I came over um, and worked as a lawyer in London. And um, But even when I left um, Sydney in 2005, I, I didn't really want to be a lawyer anymore. I, I'd actually kind of decided, that, decided before that. Um, I remember having dinner with my parents before I left and um, my dad sort of saying, oh, you know, you've got a job lined up for uh, when you get to London. And I said, oh, no, I'm not really sure I want to do law anymore. I think I might just go and work in a cafe in, in Italy and try and get my Italian back or something like that. And dad sort of stormed off from the table and wow. <laughs> I was pretty upset. But um, but I'd kind of, yeah, so I've been, I've been a lawyer for 20 years, but I was really bored of it after like a handful of years. Mm. Um, and I think... A couple of things happened that that um, uh, sort of signposted that that move for me. Um, firstly, a friend of mine who I was working with as a lawyer um, in sort of uh, what two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, she left law and went into wine. And I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, so because when you're working as a lawyer, it's a very focused uh, job in the sense that your law firms want you to focus on a particular area of law mm. and get basically become an expert in that area of law. And you just feel like you're quite blinkered into a corner which you can't really get out of, that you don't really have any, any sure. sort of uh, transferable um, skill set. Sure. Uh, I think lots of lawyers feel that way. Yeah. Is it also kind of maybe blanketing your creative, your creative side maybe? Your creative yes. Sparks, well, that? yeah, I mean like, you know, so um, I, I, I wouldn't sort of... Um, uh, actually, I had dinner last night with um, with um, people I used to work with as a, as a lawyer, and uh, we were chatting away about you know how unconventional uh, a kind of a lawyer I was. Obviously, yeah. I still got the work done, but like I, I wasn't um, I wasn't a traditional fit for sure. for that um, yeah. for that career. Uh, I you know look, I, I, it wasn't I, that I hated that job. It's just that it was just the job that I didn't want to see myself doing for the rest of my sure. working career. Sure. I wanted to work in a career that I really cared about and as you pointed out yeah it's something that I could be creative in sure. and, be, and bring my own kind of um, uh, touch to, to things sure sure makes sense makes sense yeah um, so yeah so my friend left left law went into wine and I thought okay this is this is doable and um, and then I 
I also catered, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any kind of like, I don't know, I'm not a chef, I'm not, I don't have any kind of like culinary training, but um, I've always cooked and I've always, uh, and I was lucky enough to grow up in an Italian family. You know, my, my grandparents um, left Italy after the war, both sets of grandparents migrated out to Australia after, after the war. Um, so I grew up in an in a Italian household where we just made everything from scratch, you know, and that was just the way it was. And, and it was never, never a second thought kind of given to it. And it wasn't until I left Sydney that I realized that I had this um, upbringing and childhood um, that was different, that, that, that I could turn into um, um, something which people would enjoy. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I set out to do. Okay, great. Um, so then in terms of, um, I guess, making the decision to leave law, so did you have an idea straight away or were you developing an idea and then the time just came, okay, now I'm going to go for it or how did that transition um, occur? I kind of, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to have a second career as a restaurateur. Okay. But I had no idea how to do it because I never, I'm not somebody who grew up in restaurants or, you know, in hotels or things like that, like, you know, a lot of chefs, you know, have done in the past. Um, so being <laughs> the, the um, sort of embarrassing truth of it is that because I was still working as a lawyer, um, I took a very loyally approach to, to how I was going to learn to do this. So yeah. I spent a lot of time going to, um, uh, there's like a City of London business library. Mm -hmm. um, so I would go there on my lunch breaks and, and after work uh, while I was still working as a lawyer and read books about how to open restaurants and, and uh, marketing um, um, insight like papers about the food market and um, how things, you know, sort of okay. finance, finance books and things like that. Wow. So I basically- very structured. Yes, yeah. it was very structured, yeah. exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, but obviously the, 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 the kind of flip side of that was that um, because I was still working as a lawyer and as a, as a lawyer, you, your work is very much about managing risk. The more mm. I researched opening a restaurant, the more I realized how risky it was. Mm. Um, so thankfully, um, that, that bit of research did help me, I think, not jump straight in and try and open a site straight away. So yeah. I actually started off by buying uh, a street food van. Very good. Yeah. Um, so this is in 2012, end of yeah. 2012, beginning of 2013. And um, yeah, I just, I, I saw this van, I bought it basically on site and converted it into um, what became the first Jin Jin kind of food business, which was uh, mainly kind of antipasti, pasta, prosecco, essentially. Okay. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was just, I think, me just making a statement and saying, right, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to try it. And sure. if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to what I was doing or I'll try something else. But okay. it was a low risk kind of foray, first foray into, into food. Okay. Um, and yeah, the business kind of grew from there. We, we, it's based on my wife and I who, who started off um, uh, with the van and um, we started doing the street food events and then we got more and more bookings for um, uh, weddings and, okay. and private parties and corporate events. And, um, and yeah, that van business kind of sort of mo motored along and, um, and, but I was doing that by using up my annual leave from working as a lawyer. So I was still working as a lawyer, I was commu uh -huh. commuting up to London from, from Brighton. To be to be a lawyer, or by day sort of yeah. thing, working on Chinchin on the train on the way up and, and back, and then on weekends, and then when I you know do events on weekends, and I'd um, take time off to to do the other events, but wow. I very quickly started 
running out of leave for actual leave. Yeah, it's pretty intense, so, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So in terms of, I guess you always were going to go down the Italian route, given mm. your background. Mm. So you have an idea of an Italian concept of some sort. You yep. also have a lot of influence <clears throat> from your family and so on. Yeah. Um, so how did you get from that idea of Italian, in yep. a broader sense, to start kind of putting flesh to the bones and yep. developing an offering, a menu and a brand, essentially? Yeah. Um, so the brand, the brand kind of idea uh, was always there from the start because, um, and it was, again, it was, it kind of came out of what the street food scene was at that time. So in, in that kind of, you know, 2012, 2013 um, time for street food, it was very, I thought that that scene was very masculine, like very burgers, pulled pork, mm. tacos, you know, it was, it, there wasn't anything which is a little bit more refined or sure. a little bit more sort of, you know, actually, you know, as we always have done, we've kind of targeted um, a females as a key um, yep. uh, part of our demographic of our, of our market. So I wanted something which was a little bit more refined, but also fun. Like, you know, uh, I think um, traditional Italian, you know, restaurants with, uh, you know, checkered uh, tablecloths and things like that, they just don't feel like a lot of fun, a lot of fun to me. They certainly don't feel modern to me. Yeah. Um, and I think people like, you know, I don't have any kind of um, qualms admitting that, you know, my business stands on the shoulders of people like, you know, you know, Russell Norman at Polpo and, um, you know, Tim at, um, at Trullo and, and, and um, Padella, you know, those guys, when I went into, when I ate at their restaurants, like light bulbs literally were, you know, kind of exploding for me. I was like, right, okay, yeah, this is, this is a way that you can kind of convey um, the, the, the simplicity of Italian cuisine, okay. but give it a modern twist that makes it you know, fun and enjoyable and, sure. and, um, and more accessible. With that sense of refinement as well. Exactly, yeah, okay. yeah. And, and, and you know, obviously in a big turning point for me was um, meeting my, my current head chef and, and business, partner, uh, business partner, Jamie Holsall. So yeah. we met in 2014. So I started, I started with the van doing events and then um, I wanted to kind, of, to kind of bridge the gap from the van to getting to a restaurant, I decided I wanted to um, start doing supper clubs yep. and, um, and pop-ups. So is this still on the, you're kind of testing, validating stage? Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. And risking it. So you're yeah. following that structured path to get yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right. So, um, uh, so I, at that point, the, the difficulty I had at that point was I didn't know any chefs, like, because again, like I hadn't really worked, I hadn't worked in restaurants at all. Yeah. So I was trying to meet chefs um, and just again by luck, my wife um, at that time was working at, um, at UNICEF with Jamie's now wife and she must have been complaining about me, complaining about not being able to meet chefs and <laughs> so, and Rachel, Rachel, Jamie's wife said, uh, oh, Jamie might be up for this and so, um, and yeah, so we just, we met and we actually had a bit of a, a bit of a cook-off at, um, at his flat at the time. I think we had like, I had an idea about uh, a menu that I'd sort of written, which he then he then uh, sort of re refined or fixed was probably the better term. Yeah. And um and then we had a bit of a cook off in terms of um, uh, tiramisu. So like I had my mum's kind of recipe, and he said oh, I've got an, I've got a recipe that I you know um, that I've learned from some other um, chefs. And um and yeah, I mean his was much better to be honest. Okay. I won't, I won't let my mum see this. But uh, <laughs> but um but yeah, meeting Jamie really kind of. Um, uh, accelerated that that process because I then had somebody on the food side that I could you know converse with and and he could he could deliver what I wanted like on on the table. Okay. Um, and then we did the supper clubs sort of between so 2014 2015, 
end of 2015 is when I decided to um, go full time. I, I quit. So I've been out of law six years now. So um, so that was when it reached a stage where you believed that it would be successful. Yeah, I mean, also like it, mm, there was definitely that. There was a couple of things. There was um, uh, I was fine at that point. I was I was going around. I was trying to find the first site. I decided right, we're gonna I'm gonna open a restaurant. Okay. I was trying for first sight, and I found it very difficult to do that while I was still working in London five days a week, yeah. um, because I was trying to do a lot of like desktop, you know, um, looking around for sites, and you actually need to go and see them. You need to be there, walk around yeah. the streets, and actually see what's around, yeah. and things like that. So that was that was difficult. And then also, my son was born that year, and um, I was I was basically, you know, I was getting very little sleep because a, a newborn was doing events in um, in between uh, working five days a week as a lawyer and you know I started um, feeling quite ill and I, and at, at a point my wife just said look you need to make your mind up are yeah. you going to do this if you are going to do this let's do it and let's make a plan and, and, and we'll work out how we'll do it but if you're not then you can't you need to stop because we, you can't do both okay. so um, decision time decision time yeah. was made okay. yeah so so yes yeah, so end of 2015 I I, um, I quit law and and um, and then yeah spent the first half of 2016 looking for okay. first site and um and then yeah we ended up with the first site in, in Vine Street in the North Lane in um in Brighton and okay. Jamie did the opening with me and actually at that time Jamie was doing something else of his own and he wasn't that he, he wasn't convinced that he wanted to kind of go back straight into into restaurants okay. uh, so I just asked him to kind of do the opening for me and try and get me to uh, help me uh, interview chefs, yeah. But I think after about three weeks in, he was like, "Right, I'm, I'm in. Let's let's do this." Okay. So been, and then did you? Since. Did he become partner straight away then, or was it kind of a? It's a kind of yeah. It's kind yeah. of uh, grown as we've gone along. Yeah. So um, uh, I think the following year, um, he he took some share options in in the main company, and then like now that we have a separate company for the um, for the restaurant up here in London, and okay. he's a he's a, a much bigger shareholder in the London site. So he's okay. at the moment working full time here in, in, in London while while I look after um, the Brighton sites. Okay, makes sense. I think yeah. it's obviously a very sensible decision to kind of fill that skill set. Yeah, that you need. It's such an important skill set. Totally, to and and you know, um, I, I'm I'm so grateful. I think we are we're both grateful for having each other in the business because we both yeah. we both um we get the brand we and we live the brand yeah. and we um we we very rarely um uh sort of cross paths in, in the sense that one wants to go one way or the other sure. and that's that's certainly over the last 18 months with all the covid stuff helped massively because yeah. like you know for example when we when we started um uh the delivery service uh last march during the first lockdown, um, it was basically just Jamie and I. So Jamie would come into the restaurant on a on a Monday, Monday and Tuesday, and make all the food for the delivery service. So we'd set a cap on how many we would sell at, at the start. He'd make all the food, and then I'd go in on the Wednesday and Thursday and package everything up and have and do all the deliveries. Okay, on the Friday and Saturday, and. Um, so yeah, so just the two of us were basically keeping everything ticking over. Okay. Um, but yeah, the demand for that was was unbelievable because yeah, we'd we'd be selling out, we'd up the allocation every week in terms of how many we would do okay. for volume, and um, it just keeps selling out the following week, like okay. in five ten minutes. Amazing going on. Wow. Yeah, fantastic. Did yeah. you ever have a second tiramisu bake off? <laughs> we did it. No, we should we should do though. Actually, <laughs> we should maybe we should maybe revisit it. Yeah. yeah. At the moment, Jamie's got um, here at the Fitzrovia site. He's got a. Uh, a tiramisu souffle 
on. Oh, which wow. Is, yeah, so like a tiramisu souffle uh, oh, dessert, which is... Sounds uh, amazing. Have you coming yeah. for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Great. Um, so let's talk about the location then. You mentioned mm. uh, it was Vine Street in mm. Brighton? or In Brighton, yeah. Brighton, that's yeah. the first one in Brighton, yeah. So... Um, why choose that location and then in terms of that site specifically I know it's quite a small site there's yeah. 21 seats is that right? yeah yeah, yeah. So why like where how did that decision-making process happen yeah again like that was something that um, uh, happened um, not necessarily as I kind of planned so I found the site I liked the, I liked that the site was um, was not on a, um, a high a high footfall uh, street it's okay. um it's kind of just tucked away off one of the main um uh streets in the in the north lane and uh when i first found the site it was uh, on the ground floor it was uh three three units um but with with um with no dividing uh walls and so i said to the landlord that i wanted at least two maybe three of those and he said oh i've already agreed um to give one of the one of the units to um uh, to a tattoo business because they're really reliable and um, and yeah I don't know if a restaurant is um, uh, you know it, it's the restaurant's a bit more risky so if you want you can have one unit and, and that's all I can give you so that that was kind of the decision made for me if I wanted it you know, did I just want to take one one unit and um, so yeah so I'm denied about it for a little bit uh, and then I ended up taking it on a initially took it on a, a short-term lease like a six-month lease and I basically spent that time standing in this basically 30, 30 square meter space thinking, how am I gonna get a restaurant into here? Because it was a converted, it was a, that building that the unit is in um, was, a, was a set of uh, garages. And so the unit that we have um, was actually where the cars would be dro driven into. And there's an inspection pit in the floor where wow. the lift would, would uh, a hoist would sort of lift the car at that point. Okay. So, um, so I had this like big, hole basically in, in the in the floor in the center of the room wow and at first i was like I, I can't i can't understand how it is i'm going to put tables and chairs across this because the other thing was that we needed this we needed to use this space for for storage because there wasn't a lot of space yeah. in the room generally that's um, such a tiny space it's that's tiny yeah 300 square foot or a little bit yeah it's like yeah it's tiny so i mean and and also part of sort of going back to this whole like loyally research approach to um uh, to, to opening a restaurant, I, you know, along the way, I'd so I'd done all this research myself. I I'd, I'd paid for some um, work with a um, like a financial planner to kind of create um, uh, like forecast templates for myself. It's like okay, if, if you know this is what this is where you know basically start feeding in um, uh, P and L figures, working out break break even costs. But I also worked with a designer. Because I had this idea in my head about what the what the first restaurant would look like. Okay, and where did that come from? Um, again, that just came from um, well, someone gave me some some good advice along the way. Some friends of mine who own um, uh, a cafe chain up here in in um, in South London, they said to me, "If you just try and create a restaurant that you want to go to, that has a look and feel of what you like and has." food and drink that how you like it to be served okay. then that's that's the best place to start because if nothing else if you manage to create that people will come to that restaurant that are people like you who like the same things that you do sure and um and so yeah so i always liked um sitting at a counter in in um restaurants if i could particularly trying to see 
sitting somewhere where I could see the chef's work. Sure. So the restaurant that I designed um, before I'd, I'd actually had anything had a sort of L-shaped counter at the front with open kitchen and bar, and then had like you know bonquets and and um, and traditional tables and chairs, the traditional tables and chairs at the back. Yeah. Um, but um, but then when I sort of after I got that design done, I got it priced up. And, and then and then panicked at how expensive it would be to open a, a site of that size. So when Vine Three came along, I realised well if I just chop off the the front bit, the counter dining bit, and I find a way to to, to basically shoehorn this into into this space, then I could have a restaurant. Okay. And so I came up with this horseshoe bar um, approach around the the inspection pit, which we turned into a cellar, so that we could work we could work during service on top of that 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 um, inspection pit and then when we needed to we could go in to use the cellar when we um, uh-huh. okay when, interesting uh, in between serves and things like that yeah. and um, and yeah so I just basically uh, I did the design myself for, on a bit of grid paper I marked out sort of um, where everything would go with uh, marking tape on the floor yeah. and I had people come and like pretend you know okay if you if, if you're sat on the stool here can I get behind you to get to the toilets and okay. You know, if the chef is working here, can he? You know, is there enough space for all this kit? Sure. Um, so yeah, so I just spent that that initial couple of months doing that, and okay. and there, yeah, and then amazingly, I mean, one of the, one of the things I, I do remember is that once there must be some sort of term for this, some sort of architectural term, but like once everything was in that room, the room felt much bigger than when it was empty. Okay. So which so is really, yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, before we, we mark everything up, yeah. and you're like, okay, on paper everything fits, but this looks like this is going to be yeah. A nightmare, but um, but yeah, once it's all in there, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. That size Thank of space you. to achieve, yeah, that. even with twenty-one seats. So yeah, yeah, I can't even think how that can work. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and again, like it's a lot of it is also down to, to the customers because, yeah. um, and that was you know one, one of the great shames about COVID ha- happening was that you know that that site works because everybody loves to come in. Those people who come there want to come in and it's sit. Yeah, yeah, it's cozy. You know, sit elbow to jowl and um, and converse across the table, and you know. Sure. So yeah, that was that was why um, Vine Street had to close so quickly um, when COVID mm. hit. Yeah. So. Okay, makes sense. Um, I think it makes sense that you have your vision and it's kind of your passions of what you like in a restaurant. Yeah. You've obviously eaten out a lot and done your research. Yep. Um, so therefore, I guess it's it's quite aligned and integrated your, what you've created. Yeah. Because uh, it's a single vision as such. Yeah. In terms of Jamie, obviously he's creating the menu. Yeah. So how did you lead that or influence that just to make sure that it is kind of incorporated into the bigger concept? Well, I think we both came to it uh, um, from a similar point of view in the sense that we wanted um, we wanted to to have seasonality of produce to run through the menu. Okay. And we wanted a, a regularly changing menu because um, we wanted an accessible, well, I, I certainly wanted at the start and, and Jamie wanted to deliver this with the food. We wanted a restaurant where customers could feel they could come every month. They didn't have to save up and, and wait to come for a special occasion. Yep. And they could come every week if they really wanted to. And if they did come every week, they would find something new every week. That's that's that was kind of what we wanted to do. So at the start, when we um, opened in Brighton, we did we did a complete menu change every every month. So we'd start, you know, we'd basically have a so you know we'd have a December menu, and then in January there'd be a completely new yeah. uh, uh, menu in January. Um, we've refined that over the years because we've realised that that's such a massive amount of work. Mm. So we kind of we're, we're rolling tissues on and off, but the yeah. menu moves with the seasonality of produce. 
So, um, and also we didn't want to, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to, and I think this probably just comes down to the fact that I'm, you know, I, I grew up in Sydney, I didn't grow up in Italy. So um, I wanted an Italian which doesn't try to uh, replicate or, or transport a dish, an actual dish from Italy and, and sort of um, deliver it here in, in the UK. We're not trying to, we're not, I suppose, we're not capital A authentic. Yes. We start with what, what's in season. Sure. And we use that to create Italian dishes. We're not trying to be a Roman trattoria sure. or anything like that. Sure. So. And you're adopting it to the UK market as well. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, like, and Jamie's, Jamie's, Jamie's um, culinary background um, is, you know, he's done quite a lot of, uh, he's like traditionally trained French, French cooking. So, yeah. for example, we use quite a lot of butter in, what we, in, in how we deliver our dishes. And that's not necessarily how you do it for, um, for an Italian sure. um, traditional dish. Okay, makes sense. Mm. So apart from uh, designing and fitting out that tight space, mm. did you have any other challenges in that initial period? Or how did the launch go? Um, you know what? <laughs> it's funny because I remember having a conversation with, um, when we opened here in, in Fitzrovia, we, we um, engaged a, a PR um, team to help us with, with that launch. And um, one of the first things they said to me was, um, you know, so what PR did you do when you opened in Brighton? And I said, oh, we didn't really do any PR. And they said, what do you mean? I said, oh, we just opened and we invited our friends and other people that we knew. And then they came and their friends came and then the people who have restaurants in Brighton came and all of a sudden we had- Snowball. It just snowballed, yeah. it did snowball. And it was like, there was there were, there were certainly times in, cause you know, that that first space, like, you know, I, I did lots of, you know, hands-on work for opening that space, painting and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and there was a time, you know, just before we opened where I thought, okay, I'm doing this now. Uh, let's see how I feel in three weeks, give it three weeks. And because I hadn't really even worked in a restaurant, um, before I'd opened the first restaurant. Um, and, uh, so one, I suppose one of the, the sort of things I had to get over and thankfully it, it worked out amazingly was that I didn't really have any experience in hospitality and in hosting people, but but by some miracle, I, I just absolutely loved it. And okay. I was like, why, why have I not done this before? I should have like, you know, I wasn't, for example, someone, as I said, I didn't, I didn't work in restaurants or hotels or things like that. I wasn't someone who threw like massive uh, dinner parties at home and therefore was always hosting people. And it was a you know, natural progression that I would go and open a restaurant. Yeah. I was just the guy who worked as a lawyer who liked food, liked to eat out. And liked and liked restaurants, yeah. you know, generally. Okay. Um, and yeah, just once we start got going, I just realised this is this yeah. is it. This is really what. Sounds doing. like it was almost like the natural passion coming out of you. Yeah, Maybe I think so. Yeah, yeah. Or Italian heritage. Yeah, I stuff. think so. And I think like you know, um, yeah. I just I grew up in a very food uh, food orientated and like where food was central, you know, for for us yeah. as a family, and you know, even to the point where you know when I was growing up, like my my grandparents would very rarely say, you know, how are you? They'd say, you know, have you, eat, have you eaten? Okay. I, you look hungry. Yeah. That would basically be the first thing they would say to you. you know? I like it. Yeah. And, and you'd kind of, you know, you'd sort of reluctantly pretend, say, reluctantly yes, say okay, yeah, some, some more, whatever yeah. it is that you've got. Um, so yeah, so that was always, um, that was always there. Yeah. Um, and this was just, I suppose, just me creating a vehicle to, to kind of, sure. for that passion. Okay, fantastic. So then off the back of the success of that, I know you launched a site then in Hove. Yes. So yeah. a couple of years later, maybe? Yeah, that was, um, so we opened, 
We opened Brighton November 2016 and we opened Hove January 2018. Okay, so. And at that time, so obviously, I guess you had confidence that you had one site that was working. Yep. You were starting to build the brand, the following, yep. and so on. Did you have plans or ambitions at that stage to scale or to roll out a brand, or what was your thinking at that stage? Um, so my th what was happening at that stage was that um, we, with the restaurant being so small, the first one being so small, um, it would be full, like regularly. Mm. So we opened in November 2016. In the in the spring, in the following spring, I, I tend I seem to have this kind of you know conversation on repeat with people where they'd say, oh yeah, you're the guy from Chin Chin. It's a great restaurant, but I, I just can't get in. Like I've been trying to get in and I can't. Yeah. And I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Like it's only 20 seats and you know. Um, so I thought, okay, there's something here. There's the man for, for, for a larger site. Yeah. And I also still had in, my, in the back of my head, I still had this, this kind of dream site that I had um, designed um, with, with more than one kind of um, uh, aspect of, of how the dining was done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just the, the, the site, I, again, like a, it was a site that I walked past on my way home one day that I saw was closing and, um, and made inquiries for it. And, we just, and I just went for it. And yeah. being completely honest at the time, uh, I was naive about a lot of stuff, but I was naive about that in the, in, in the first um, scenario. Yeah. So the first two years of running, um, but you know, running multiple sites, even though we're in the same city, but multiple sites with with um, with you know increased number of employees and um, larger site having you know higher overheads and things like that. I was definitely having to sort of learn that as as we went along. Sure. Um, and in terms of scaling. I think, like Jamie and I, the, the difficulty we've always kind of uh, had is that we're 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 so focused on consistency. Mm. You know, I, th I actually think the hardest thing to do in a, to, to achieve in a restaurant is is consistency because sure. you can go to a restaurant one day, have an amazing meal, and, and it's great. You go another day, and it's really off, mm. and it's just down to I don't know a different chef or different mm. fr front of house or things like that, or just like things not being kind of um, kept an eye on. Yeah. And you know, so we we're so um, you know that's so central to what we want to achieve uh, with Chin Chin, and, and our worry is like being able to scale, tr tr like trying to scale that out. That's going to be diluted a bit. Yeah. Um, but look, we've got to three sites, and we've got to to, to restaurants in two cities now. And sure. um, now that we've got um, Fitzroy open here, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to. Do it, even though we we're in the middle of, uh, of lockdown, was that you know Jamie and I had you know conversations where I was sort of saying, look, if we there are lots of doors that we've never had a chance to knock on because we're not in London mm. and we've never known that those doors are there. And if we just get up there and we can make this work, yeah. it, has to, it has to work as a site as it is. You know, it was it was a it's a it's a suitable site for us anyway, yeah. and it's a long term project for us. And you know, in Fitzrovia, we think it's um it's a place that we want to be you know long term. Okay. But now that we've done it, we've had you know opportunities offered to us that we just never would have seen because sure. we were in London. Because so. you have the solid foundation now. Yeah. yeah, and now we have the confidence that well, okay, we've made that work. Well, why aren't we looking at another London site? Yeah, and the, the short answer at the moment to that is because of staffing. <laughs> but okay. um, we'll come back to yeah, that. I'm sure we'll come back to that. Yeah, <laughs> um, makes sense. So you mentioned consistencies there. I completely agree. It's probably the most challenging thing, and probably because well, it is people-led. So depending on those people. Yeah. Um, so second side in Hove, I guess it's a little bit easier that you're mm. both relatively close. You could pop in and pop out. Yep. But now with a site in London, 
Um, yeah. How do you maintain consistencies across all three sites? With yeah. Kind of that distance now between them. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, the way the way that we're doing it at the moment is that um, Jamie is here in London uh, full time, so he comes up to London um, uh, five days a week. Okay. And I'm up here generally two days a week, and I spend the other three, well, four, four or five really, yeah. um, down in down in Brighton and Hove. Um, and it's just about you know again like it's about people. It's about um, uh, <coughs> hiring the right people in, in the first place, and um, certainly we we have found it. There's a there's a greater difficulty here in London to um, infuse the uh, the meaning of the brand and the meaning of, of of our restaurants into the new staff because it's all new for them. Sure. It's just like it was when we were. You know, it, it's it's easy to forget that we're, what we're going through now in London is basically exactly what we did when we were kind of growing Brighton and then Hove. Yeah. Um, but because we're in Brighton and Hove and people know us and our staff, you know, we, we've had really good retention. You know, a lot of our staff have been with us for two plus years, um, <coughs> three or four years. Some, you know, some of them, and um, so that means that they understand. It's it's almost unwritten for them. They understand like what what we're trying to achieve, okay. you know, day in day out. Whereas we've got to work on that a bit more up here in, in okay. London, and um, yes, it's instilling that culture, really, isn't it? Which yes, is quite yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and getting them to 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 buy into it, that culture and want to want to achieve you know achieve it for themselves because you know it's yeah. it's, it's not really it's not any reflection on me personally. It's not yeah. you know I the the best moments I've had for for me in this sort of new career, the second career I have have made for myself is is. Like it's team moments, you know what I mean? Like it's been like it's things like I can remember when we finished the first first night or first week in Hove, and we had at that time we had all the the, the guys who were working at Brighton coming over, and we all sort of sat down afterwards with them and drink after. And I just thought this is this is brilliant. Like this is exactly yeah. what you know you want to do. Exactly, and, that's all about the people. Really, it is about the people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think also like individual locations and sites and teams should have their own identity and yes. personality as well. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. well as the individual people themselves. I think for me as well, the most special restaurant experiences I've had, yeah. it has been about that that kind of identity or uniqueness. Yeah. That's not just a cookie cutter type exactly, of yeah. like approach to, to service. Yeah. yeah. So, That's a hard thing yeah. to achieve though, because it is, again, yeah. it's a hard, it's it's it, you're trying to balance personality with consistency, you know. Correct. Yeah. Um, but it's about for us, it's <clears> about like you know, and I think you know, for most brands, it's about. You know, having having a structure, explaining to to your, your staff what that structure is, yeah. and and why you do those things, sure. and then giving them the, the the ability to go and do them in the way that that they wanted to get to sure. get it done, um, and then and just and it's just like monitoring and feedback, really. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about competition then. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously in a relatively big space in terms of the Italian sector. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Padella and a few others, and obviously they're a little bit more maybe specific in terms of the yeah. category of food they're in, yeah. pasta and so on. How do you, I guess, make your presence there, and how do you stand out amongst all these different operators? It's tough. I mean, it's um, it's definitely changed the the, the kind of, if, like especially if you're talking about sort of handmade pasta or, or modern Italian kind of um, uh, subset of, of restaurants. That's that's grown quite a lot. Um, mm. Since we started in 2016, um, you know, like I think, so at that time certainly Polpo was around. Uh, Padella, I think, had just opened. I think it opened beginning of 2016, and so and then we opened in in November. But even then, up in London, there wasn't there wasn't people like you know um, Bancone or Manteca or 
Pastayo. Pastayo, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. These the, these guys, you know, have opened since, and so now that we've come up to London, like there's a there's a different yeah. um, uh, set of competitors, uh, but but you have to kind of look at it. You know, it's two sides of every every coin. Like on the one hand, yes, it's a, it's a more competitive market, but on the other hand, people understand that there's a greater kind of understanding about what what it is that we're trying to achieve yeah. in that in that um, in that category, and that just means that we need to be best as as best as we can be in yeah. the category that we're in. Um, we're a little bit, you know, as I said like our, our approach is um, very driven by by local produce mm. um, and the seasonality of it. Mm. So um, you know, we have that as a as a USP. Um, but again, like it's about for us. I mean, n- none of the three restaurants that I have uh, are on big footfall streets. Okay. So <clears throat> they're all modern neighborhood style restaurants. <clears throat> yeah. So for us, the customer journey is, you know, the hardest bit is getting a new customer into the restaurant because that's where the competitiveness is, is probably at its highest. Yeah. And then once we get them in, it's our job to convert them into a returning customer. Sure. And then from there, convert them into a regular because the backbone of our business are regulars because they're the people who come with their friends who recommend to their friends and bring people back and sure yeah okay that makes sense um and in terms of then i guess if you're trying to achieve getting people in in the first place what is your strategy for that <clears throat> is it more kind of social media digital is it local yeah. or is it um, pr you mentioned as well yeah so we we def- we did some we, we had a good run of pr um for the opening at um at fitzrovia which helped massively yeah we had a really good review from uh, Marino Lachlan in, in the Sunday Times at the end of June, which then, you know, uh, meant that bookings basically went up over forty percent overnight, pretty much. Wow! And then okay. July ended up being more than double. Like we we traded basically more than double in July than we did in June, wow. um, which was which was great, but also very stressful because we, we you know we'd only be open for mm. at that point like two months. Yeah. Um, so that has that 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 definitely helped in that um, on that opening, but. Um, but yeah, for us, it's more driven by social media yep. um, in the first place, and, and and community. Like you know, we're very involved with the community in in, um, in Brighton and Hove, and we're we're just starting to get into that now in um, in Fitzroy. We've got some plans for that in 2022 um, with people like you know Fitzroy partnership with like a um, local business um, business development kind of team. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, we're, they're not. You know, we're not a huge brand. We're not. Yeah. We're not huge restaurants. And um, but for us, it's about. As I said, it's about really trying to build up that bank of regulars because they're the ones who just end up becoming advocates for our, for our brand, which is yeah. what you want. Okay, makes sense. I know um, during COVID, you had lots of initiatives as well, which yeah. I guess helps support the brand, but also giving back and supporting your communities. Yeah. Um, tell us about that process during COVID. So I know you did cooking classes. You're we did cooking NHS. classes. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. We did some. So there was um, there was a big push from uh, a local guy in Brighton for um, food for NHS workers. So we yep. did that. We donated all of that through through first lockdown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we did. Um, we did some cooking classes for um, a couple of the community teams. Uh, we did, some, I mean, we, obviously we did all sorts of like um, um, online stuff for that time yeah. for for our customers and for and for um, and for charity stuff. Okay, are you doing deliveries as well? So you start your meal kits. Yes, you mentioned straight straight after. So it was March, I think. Was it March, April? Well, well, we were actually working on this. This is something that I kind of wanted to be part of the business for, for from from the get go, really. Okay. And we just never really got around to um, uh, getting it live. And we'd. We had actually at the end of 2019 
um, developed what that pack, what that sort of um, set of products would look like. And we started messing about with some packaging and branding and things like that. And then we'd actually even sent it home with staff and said, look, take this home. Here are the instructions. Can you make this with your girlfriend or whatever yeah. sort of thing? How hard is it? Um, and then, yeah, so when COVID came along um, in March, we just said, right, okay, we're just, let's just do it. Yeah, it was the time to do it. So, um, and, um, and yeah, just, it, I mean, it was busier than we could have ever imagined, okay. really. Um, and I read it was, it was a five courses you did. Yeah, practice. so we still do, we still do yeah. like a five, we call it five course chef's menu. Um, so, and that's a finish at home pack. So uh, customers get, uh, they get olives, focaccia uh, and cured meats or cheeses. Uh, then they get um, two small plates. So they'll get like a burrata and arancino generally. Yeah. Uh, uh, handmade pasta, um, primo. And then a protein-based secondo, which they just finish in the oven. And then a, a ready-made dessert to, okay. to finish. Yeah, Amazing. and that's 35 pounds a head. Okay, sounds great. I think it's quite unique in the market as well. It's not that many people doing that yeah. standard. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, for, again, for, for the, the same approach, we took the same approach to, to this as we've, as we've taken uh, with the restaurants in terms of being, you know, trying to be accessible. Jamie and I wanted something that um, felt like it was restaurant quality, but was easy to make because, sure. you know, we, we bought packs, other packs um, during lockdown as well. And like some of the, some of the more higher end packs, I just found, I actually personally found quite hard to, Okay. to cook yeah. and um, and quite into a long process, you know. Sure. And I really, I'll be honest, like, I don't want to spend two hours making my dinner, you yeah. know, whereas... Um, and it defeats the purpose of getting it. Yeah, delivered. you know, obviously yeah. it's, it's it, each to their own, but, yeah. um, but you know, uh, you know, our packs are, are really, really simple. All they, all they really require you to do is cook pasta, um, like put, put a boil, put boiling water on cook pasta, uh, heat the pasta sauce and fold the two together when you're ready to eat that yep. and then put the secondo in the oven to reheat and okay. then take it out and freeze it up so and you got a five course meal yeah that's yeah. fantastic yeah um, how do you see this space developing post-covid so deliveries are still strong, yeah and it's obviously split between home corporate meal kits yeah yeah yeah. so there's a lot happening in the market there is there is a lot. i think i think there's a bit of a um uh what's the word um recalibration of that market at the moment yeah. because I think a couple of, a couple larger players have kind of stopped or or have, you know like restaurant kits went bust recently and yeah. um, which was a shame uh, so I, I don't know I, I actually for us we're, we're just keeping it very simple it's it's a it's a it's a arm and revenue stream in our business which doesn't require us to do we, we've got it set up in the sense that we we don't have to do very much extra each week yeah. we build that into we plan the menu um for the for the delivery service around what's currently on the menu in um sure. in the restaurant um, we don't have any additional staff for example that we apart from a driver that does all, all our deliveries ourselves yeah. um the website's all set up ready to go with with the e-commerce um stuff and that just ticks away every week so we're just happy to keep doing this because um, it's a way for us to keep in contact with our with our customers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when when uh, if if you know heaven forbid there was another lockdown, then that will jump straight back up again. But he's, yeah. you know even even in the run up to Christmas and New Year, not everybody wants to go out for Christmas and New Year this this December. Yeah. So um, we'll have big demand for for the boxes that we do for those events this year. Okay, makes sense. Great. Um, let's talk about people. We mentioned mm -hmm. it a couple of times. It's obviously a massive challenge at the moment. 
you mentioned you have good retention rates, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. How do you, first of all, recruit? Um, you recruiting with kind of looking <clears throat> for a commitment or something in mind? And then how are you kind of focusing on retaining stuff as well? The recruitment stuff has been, uh, has been really difficult this year, like amazingly difficult. I've, I've, I, I have no idea how much time I've spent on recruitment this year. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a very, at the moment it is a very shallow talent pool that's available for, um, for, for everybody who's trying to hire because we're all short staffed and um, there is not uh, a ready supply of people who either even want to be working in hospitality or have the skills to do it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's, that's been a real, a real pressure point for us. Um, this year, we, there are other things that we could have done this year that we've been held back by because of because of um, staffing. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think I have any kind of um, any magic, magic solution, magic solution yeah. or silver bullet that's mm. uh, that's an answer to um, to the issues on recruitment. On the retention side, um, look, we you know we we just want to uh, we have always said that um, the one thing that we can't teach people is a love for hospitality. So mm. as long as we have people that we're hiring who are coming to join us because they want to do the job, mm. because they want to work in this sector and they want to um, host people and give them a, a good experience, we can teach them everything else. Sure. That's, that's all fine, but yeah. Um, so you're hiring for a mindset and personality. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then we can, we can help them with the deliverables. Okay, very good. So what's your future ambitions then? What's, what's the next step for you? More um, sites or? Yeah, I would like to. I mean, it's 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 um, London domination. I don't know about London domination. <laughs> I'd always kind of had it. I've always, always had this the, the number. Like I always sort of said in my head, right? I'd like to get to five sites. Okay. Um, so we're at three now. So you know, yeah. um, and uh, amazingly, I suppose it's a bit like having a baby. Like you know, when when you go through, I suppose some of the most stressful times I've had have been, have been the the build of each site. Yeah. Because that's not something that I'm I'm particularly that I particularly know how to do and so you're having to make particularly when I did the build for the Hope site which is the largest of the three yeah um you know having to make decisions on the spot with builders and designers and things like that right okay you need to pick this or this now because this needs to become come from this date like that I found yeah. that very stressful but then once you kind of get the build done and you get the restaurant open yeah all of a sudden you're like oh okay we know how to do this we know how to run service and we know how to look after people yeah and in that in that first couple of weeks after opening you do find yourself going, well, I could just definitely open another yeah, one, yeah. two. The confidence builds. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you have to remember that you've gone through this trauma of having to get to a site, um, yeah. uh, to get a site open. But, um, but you know, I would, I would like to open more sites. Okay. Um, and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to develop the, the um, delivery service, expand it. Um, ideally, we'd like to be doing it up in London. Yeah. We can't do it at the moment from the Fitzrovia site because it's too small okay. um, for, uh, to do anything additional in there. Um, and you know, ultimately, things like you know, so we've kind of, as part of having the, um, the delivery service, we've kind of developed a bit of a retail range, yep. um, and I really like to grow that as well okay. um, as part of broadening out the, the base of the business. Okay, lots of opportunities for sharing. Anyway. Yeah, great. That's what I think you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great what you've done. It's very inspiring. And changing oh, your you. career after well, two decades, a different Thanks. sector. I think the structured approach you've taken has been very sensible and obviously proven to be successful. So Thanks. credit to you. Um, you. If you were to give somebody maybe in law, let's say, or in a different yep. sector, um, maybe they have an idea or a passion kind of urging them to do something, 
would you have one or two kind of snippets of advice you would give someone at that stage? Yeah, I think if, if I was speaking to any, if I was, even if I was speaking to myself, you know, back, you know, back working as a lawyer, yeah. um, I, you know, the, the classic line is always like, you know, wish I'd done it sooner, but, but it just came, came along when it came along. You know, yeah. I had to, I had to, it, I had an idea that I wanted to get out of law and do something I really cared about for a long time. That was always like gnawing away at the back of my mind, but sure. I needed, I needed to kind of um, rationalize what that would be by going through all of these steps. And so I, I'm not somebody who, who's just going to jump out of one job. And that's why I'm in this job for now for the long term. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I suppose the only key advice I suppose I can, I can give is that if, you know, you spend so much time in your job, so much time doing work. Um, and so the nature of work should be, should be enjoyable. Mm. You know, if you can find a way to um, work in a career where you actually have a passion for it, there's, it's, it's so, it's so um, rewarding. Yeah. You know, I, do, I definitely do more hours now than I did as a lawyer, okay. but I don't feel them at all. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's certainly the difference. Yeah. But yeah, but I think, but actually, if, if I was speaking to someone who was li literally starting out, on, you know, wanted, wanted to um, uh, get, get to opening a restaurant, then yeah, I would have very happily sit down with them and say, right, you need to kind of nut out as much detail as you can before you press the button or anything. Okay. Because lots of people, you know, as, we, as you see with, with restaurants, small restaurants failing, yeah. they just open and they haven't done they haven't done their homework. Absolutely. Do the um, research. Yeah. Eat yeah. out a lot. It's boring. Yeah, eat, exactly. <laughs> eat out a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, yeah. That's, that's definitely... Um, a piece of advice to give. Yeah. Great stuff. Cool. Well, great. Brilliant to talk to you, David. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time. Journey. I wish you the best of success. Su Thank you. Success. <laughs> great. Pleasure. All right. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Cheers.